Hi-ho, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is Hilding. When my favorite swears by his honor that he did not meet tete-a-tete with my lady Vavasor at the tilt-yard, I say, be gone, Hilding, thou liest. Hilding? How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Building means a contemptible, worthless deceiver, not a compliment. How do you spell it, Philadelphia? It is spelled H-I-L-D-I-N-G, Hilding. This useful mot is derived from the Old English word Hindling. This word must have been a favorite of Shakespeare's because it appears in a number of his plays. Including All's Well That Ends Well, Henry V, and Henry IV, Cymbeline, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Taming of the Shrew, Two Noble Kinsmen, and... One of the Bard's most beloved plays, Romeo and Juliet, which was probably written about 1595, so pretty early in Shakespeare's career. And Richard Burbage, who was an entrepreneur, theater owner, and one of the most famous actors of the period, played Romeo. To be sure, Hilding is used twice in the tragedy, once by the angry father Capulet, and once by the comic and lusty Mercutio. Oh, my friends, I must confess I was taken with that fellow when I saw the work performed. Philadelphia, do you prefer Mercutio to the lover Romeo? Romeo is a silly, overheated boy, so much in love with Rosaline that he would die for her only to turn his eye and heart to Juliet in a moment, inconstant dog. Well, can you give us Mercutio's speech? With pleasure. He mocks the lovelorn state Romeo has been brought to by his love for Rosaline. Oh, flesh, flesh, how thou art fishified. Now is he for the numbers that Petrarch flowed in. Laura to his lady was a kitchen wench. Mary, she had a better love to be Rhymer. Dido, a dowdy, Cleopatra, a gypsy, Helen and Hero, Hildings and Harlots. This be a grey eye or so, but not to the purpose. Signor Romeo, bonjour. There's a French salutation to your French slop. Mercutio speaks of all of these famous heroines whose stories would have been so familiar to the Tudor audience. Well, just as the story of Romeo and Juliet would have also been very familiar. There had been many versions of this story before Shakespeare wrote his. Tis so. Master Shakespeare drew his play from two works that I read most avidly. A poem, The Tragical History of Romeus and Juliet, by Master Arthur Brooke, and a prose tale, In Palace of Pleasure, by Master William Painter. Both of these works were written in the 1560s, long before Master Shakespeare's play. Plot of the play is not what makes it special. I think that's made clear by the fact that Shakespeare has the chorus summarize exactly what's going to happen in the play in the prologue. There's no suspense. We know right from the outset that the lovers die. He followed the original plot, but Shakespeare developed some of the secondary characters from the older versions, particularly Mercutio and the Count Paris, who both also end up dead. The play is about the unfortunate star-crossed lovers, but it's also about the chaos of pointless violence. The feud between the two families is never explained. The cause is never given. 
It's as if everyone has forgotten the original dispute and they're just fighting for fighting's sake. Especially Tybalt. When Capulet the Elder realizes that Romeo has crashed the party at his home, he tells Tybalt to leave Romeo alone because he's not doing anything wrong. But it's Tybalt, representative of the younger generation, who after the party seeks out Romeo for an insult against Capulet that Capulet didn't even feel. All the fights in the play gave Shakespeare and Burbage a wonderful chance to feature some really great sword fighting scenes, which were huge crowd pleasers at the time. Philadelphia, can you give us the other speech that uses our word of the week? In this speech, the angry father Capulet berates his young daughter Juliet for not wanting to marry Count Paris, kinsman of the Prince of Verona. Hang the young baggage, disobedient wretch, I tell thee what, get thee to church, O Thursday, or never after look me in the face. Speak not, reply not, do not answer me, my fingers itch. Wife, we scarce thought us blessed, that God had lent us but this only child, but now I see this one is one too much, and that we have a curse in having her. Out on her, Hilding! Poor Juliet! At least Shakespeare wrote some great poetry for her, and she does get to do the very famous Gallop the Pace, You Fiery-Footed Steed, which many people think is one of the best-spoken poems in the English language. My dear Gage, Juliet is unwise. A good marriage to the Count Paris would have served her better than a lust-driven union with changeable Romeo. Paris is a fine man, brave, valiant, and high-ranking. You are practical, Philadelphia, and I do believe you prefer all the men in the play to the hero. I confess it. Romeo is a profound hilding. Give he Tudor files, bring some 16th century source to your vocabulary with hilding. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube. And give me a like. <laughs>